What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing today? Man, it feels so good to be back in the soapbox. This is TJ, and I'm here today to continue on going on with what we're trying to push forward as far as enlightening people to a better way of thinking. First of all, I want to say good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night to anybody that's listening in. Don't know what time you're catching it, but I thank you so much for tuning in to the conversation. So now, with no further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump on into the episode. All right, so right here, we're just going to carry on from where I left off in the last episode. I'm not going to do a recap. Um, so if you're interested in knowing what we talked about last week and kind of catching yourself up, if you hadn't heard the other episode, then just go back onto the podcast. Tune into uh, episode one of The Clan. It should be part one. Uh, episode 16 should be. And uh, that's basically going to give you the background information that leads you up to where we are right now. Um, I can't can't really do a recap i try to keep these episodes uh below 40 to 50 minutes um so that you know i can kind of get as much information in but in a shorter period of time and there's just so much to talk about with this subject that i can't really cram it all into one episode so um i'm gonna have to stretch all of this stuff out now this next portion where i talk about the second couple years of the beginning because i kind of i kind of view the first four years as the beginning of this process it kind of laid the foundation for what was coming in the next six years of being under this guy's tutelage so ninth and tenth grade year were sort of the seeds that were sown in how things kind of grew but there were major major events that happened in my 11th and 12th grade year or year three and year four that really shaped the future of the clan and how things kind of played out. One of the biggest things that happened during the 11th and 12th grade year or year three and year four was the expansion of the clan. Because originally, Sifu had said that the clan was only supposed to have five core members. And then, of course, the head of the clan or the leader. So it's supposed to be him and then five of us. But there was so much interest in the clan once Sifu started branching out, once he started reaching out to other people that he was talking to on a regular basis. There were more people that were interested in becoming members, some of them for the, the martial studies, some of them were for just the togetherness some of them because we were in a small town and there really wasn't much else going on during this time frame we probably ended up having i want to say at least 12 core members and anywhere from seven to eight associates now you need to understand the, the dynamics of the two groups of people so core members were members that actually went through what we call the meeting and i'm going to explain the meeting to you but once you went through the initiation phase of being a part of the clan then you were actually a complete member so that meant that you could learn the secrets of the clan you could learn the the skills you could begin training and your individual 
individual system of martial study. And then, of course, after that, you would continue on to become whatever specials that you were driven to learn. Associate members were not complete members. They were not seen as as close to the family as everyone else was. So like you could become an associate of the clan and never learn any martial studies at all. You could become an associate of the clan and we would teach you some basic martial skills, but that's about as far as it would go. Now that whole process elevated later on through the years, but during the 11th and 12th grade year was really when we started to swell. During this time frame, some very influential member came to the fold and we're going to talk about those different members here in a minute but i want to backtrack just a little bit because i wanted to kind of give you the foreground for what was coming so during the 11th grade year as a matter of fact it was right at the beginning i i used to be a wrestler wrestling was my thing i used to love wrestling i started wrestling in the sixth grade under one of the greatest coaches that Sherrod South Carolina ever produced. And he carried me over to the seventh and eighth grade wrestling. And I wrestled all the way through ninth grade year. I wrestled 10th grade year. I attempted to wrestle, but I was in so much trouble back and forth. And you heard those stories last week. Well, 11th grade year, I wanted to wrestle also. But when I started toward the end of the 10th grade year and into the 11th grade year, Sifu made it clear that he did not want us focusing on elements of the world. So one of the biggest Bible or Christian philosophies that Sifu always harped on was that we were in the world, but we were not of the world. And that was a, a calling card ideology that we carried on inside of the clan. So like we viewed the world as everyone that was not a clan member. Now that comes into play later on when I discuss the separation of our mentalities from our families and friends. But for the sake of this conversation, what we're talking about right now, anything that you engaged in outside of the clan had to be for the purpose of edifying the clan. If it was not, then it was ostracized. So my membership in wrestling or my my ability to to be a part of school sports was deemed unnecessary and extra that was time that was being taken away from my martial studies and from my my studies of of clan business and and overall knowledge that i needed to know in order to be a better member and fulfill our overall game. so really early on sifu made it clear that i had to make a choice either i was going to wrestle for school or i was going to dedicate my time to the clan and of course because i had saw so much more fulfillment inside of the clan structure i chose not to wrestle now that was one of the sacrifices that i made and later on i'm going to talk about different sacrifices that everybody made but that was one of the sacrifices that i made and by making that sacrifice i eliminated the possibility of me being able to achieve greater success through school through sports now that wasn't the only major blow up school wise my 11th grade year so of course the previous year 10th grade i had got into a lot of trouble got into a lot of fights 11th grade year i got expelled it was probably one of the the worst decisions that i could have ever made 
And the way that it played out was Sifu had purchased some weapons for the clan. One of them was a sword, but it wasn't a normal sword. It was a cane sword. And this cane sword had been designated as a special item that I was one of few people who could actually hold on to or utilize. One day we were at Sifu's house getting ready to go to the bus to go to school again. And Sifu had suggested to me that maybe I could take the cane to school just as a a way of sort of shining light on who we were because the cane had all kind of little symbols that we had put on it and it was supposed to be anointed and powerful, honorable, just to have it. So I was all for it, not thinking in my head, it's a weapon inside of this thing. So I take it to school. I actually hold on to this thing all day. And then in my fourth period class, end of the day, I get called to the principal's office. And when I get called to the principal's office, I get questioned about the cane. So of course, you know, I make up all kinds of stories about the cane and the whole purpose of me bringing it to the school well turns out they already knew what was inside of the cane they come to me and they open the cane and sure enough there's a weapon inside of it so they contact the police the police come to the school and they take me to the police station they confiscate the cane and my mom has to pick me up from the police station now this has created a whole whirlwind of issues for me because just in the previous year i had been charged as a juvenile with assault for what i did to the young man inside the the gym he had put out a restraining order on me so i had to go through all kinds of different classes pay a whole bunch of money so that i would not go to juvenile prison and here i am in another situation where now i have brought a weapon to the school and i have been expelled but the part of this whole process that really hurt more than that was sifu had the audacity to be upset with me he was mad that i lost one of our sacred relics that i took it to school and allowed the world the enemy to get their hands on this item that i should have been smarter i should have been more clever i should have been able to get this item back without there being all of the repercussions that happened now another individual in this situation who caught a lot of blame for this was a member that i'm gonna call bg now bg was a young guy he was actually or or actually is kin to me by blood in real life but bg was a young guy who was full of energy and i don't know throughout the entire process that he really took the clan as serious as some of us did bg was blamed for telling the coaching staff that i brought that cane in and we believed it as a matter of fact sifu personally made it his point to investigate to see if bg had actually been the one that told the coaching staff that i had brought that cane in with that knife inside of it to this day i truly believe that bg had nothing to do with this but i believe that sifu wanted someone to point the finger at he wanted someone to take the blame for this situation now this all of course led up to a chain of meeting because at this point sifu felt like we needed to ensure that we had every member 
at our disposal that was completely dedicated to the clan. So what we did was we put everything together to have a day where everyone was recommitted to the clan. So anybody that was a member had to go through this meeting. So let me explain what we call the meeting. So in any time that you wanted to be a member of the clan, the first thing that we would do is we would have sort of an interview where we would talk to you and kind of get you to tell us why you wanted to join the clan, why you were interested in becoming a part of the group. And if we felt that your answers were credible and if they were sincere enough, then what we would do is we would put you on a trial. So the trial would come from your very first initial meeting. And at these meetings, what we would do is traditionally we would sit down, Sifu would call the meeting to order, and then you would be questioned by each member that was present. Once you were questioned by each member, then there would be a vote. After the vote, if you passed, then you were allowed to be a part of the clan on what we consider the trial base. During that trial basis, we would train you on the basics of the clan. We would teach you some of the basic foundational understanding. And then after a certain amount of time, you would then take your final meeting. Now at your final meeting, what would happen is, is that we would have a full body of work to vote on. And we would question you on the actions that you took while you were in this trial. Now, the way things work were, you could become an associate to the clan and you could be an associate forever. You never had to make the decision to cross over into full-fledged clan life. But the moment that you did, you only had these two chances to be in. And if you failed on the second meeting, then you would become what we called an exile. Now, what an exile was to the clan is the same as any of you that have knowledge of gang members when they say that we kicked someone out of the whip or for people that know anything about bloods, when they give you a fourth paw, then you are basically what this group considers a non-factor, non-existent, below low. So when you became an exile, then you became less than dirt. And when we saw you, we treated you like trash and we did everything that we could to disrupt anything that you had going on. And exile to us was basically an enemy. So one of the most profound situations that we ever had to deal with with this type of setup was that there were two guys that were a part of the clan and they came in shortly after I did and their family owned a shop beside the pool hall. One of the guys I'll call D and the other one I'll call little D because he was his little brother. We had D and little D's final meeting and because Sifu had become so suspicious of D. He made it a point that we voted D out, but not little D. So now understand the wedge that Sifu is already developing in the minds of these young children. Because at that time, both of them were no older than 15 and 13, very young. And now you've developed a wedge inside of these people's household because now you've exiled the older brother and decided to hold on to the younger brother. Now imagine what that had to be like inside of these people's house. Because once you become an exile, you can't even communicate 
with us, with members of the clan. So now you've got a household where you've got a young, susceptible 13-year-old believing that his older brother is his enemy. And they're having to deal with this on a daily basis. That was one of the most horrible events that could have happened in somebody's life that young. And Sifu, he carried it on. When it came to some of the more spiritual things in the group, meditation was by far one of the biggest parts of being a part of the clan. You had to meditate every day and you learned a lot of them. When I first started, I only knew a few. By the time I left, I knew over 200 different meditations. And in all honesty, during the course of a month, I did them all. Some of them multiple times. Probably one of the biggest portion of the studies that we had was in what's called the Kuji Kuri, which the Kuji Kuri is actually Japanese for what we consider the nine cut or nine meditations. And what they actually are, are nine meditations that teach you how to tap into the vibrational frequencies of what we call chakras, which are energy points within the body. Now, you can research the Kuji, you can research chakras, you can research chi and ki and kong and all these different terms that I'm saying, and you'll find that there is actual scientific evidence that proves that these practices actually do work. However, what they don't do is they don't work at the level that Sifu, of course, was teaching us. Because what Sifu was training us to do was to actually cultivate these different energy sources so that we could complete what you would consider supernatural action. Abilities that were beyond the norm of human nature. And I'm not talking your everyday elevation and strength. No, I'm talking about stuff like lifting cars, flying, being able to read people's minds. So much so that eventually these different levels could be built up until you became what would be considered an immortal, not able to die. That was the goal. And that's what everybody was working towards in their meditation to gain those heights and beyond. And trust me, it went much further than that as time progressed. People's ambitions went far beyond that of even the idiocy of the statement of being immortal but you'll hear about that later on so one of the main feats that people were attempting to gain from meditation was the ability to transcend into what is called the hidden master's realm now if you pick up any book on ninjutsu that is written by Ashita Kim, you'll find statements and connections and references to the hidden master. Well, one of his books in particular talks about the hidden master. So the hidden master, according to Sifu, are a group of people that live in a realm that can only be accessed through spiritual elevation. And once there, they can be sought after for hidden knowledge guidance, wisdom, and more. This sets the stage for one of the most devastating periods of time that we ever had inside of the clan. Because during our time training under Sifu, he was according to him, of course, blessed with the ability to transcend into the hidden master's realm. So while there, his training continued. So now think about that for just a second. Now this guy has developed this ideology 
that allows him to be in a location where he can continue to get information to bring back to us. So that means that he can come up with whatever he wants. We're biting at it. We're believing everything he says, and he can bring it to us. And he did. Well, I told you at the beginning of this cat that there were members that became a part of the team that changed the fabric of how things happen well there's a million of them and i'm exaggerating there but there are a lot of people that came in and out of the clan during this time but there are two personalities that joined the clan during this time that i have to talk to you about and what they did when they came to the clan one of them is a female and all i'm gonna do is label her as m and then there was a male and all i'm gonna do is label him as a so m was a pretty girl young girl she came in much like all of us but she came in with a group remember i told you that the the clan's numbers were starting to swell so m came in during this time and m at that particular time was dating another guy that was a part of the clan they actually came in together so to speak now he has given me permission to use his name so i will and his name is robert so robert and m came into the clan and i to this day believe that as m joined the clan sifu already had his eye on her i truly believe that because the chain of events that happened from their own all led to sifu abusing this young lady sexually now in order for me to explain this you have to understand that in many ways sifu had convinced him that he understood her spiritually beyond her physical limitation i remember the whole process that sifu went through to convince him that her and robert shouldn't be together i remember the whole process that he went through to convince him that she had some type of spiritual poisoning that had happened to her as a matter of fact he explained it to her that her energy had been tainted through some type of continued poisoning throughout the years and the only way that it could be cured was through a release sexually now he made it sound really innocent oh no he would never abuse her never do anything against her because remember what i said sifu made it clear him and Coriko were in love a love that transcended everything and i'll never forget the day i came from my house and i went to sifu's house and m was there now m used to sneak out of her house and go to sifu's at night but then she'd go back because of course she couldn't go in she just go to the window truth be told a lot of us snuck out to see sifu at nighttime at his window because a lot of us lived close by and at this point in time sifu had us he had our mind so i'll never forget the day that i went there and when i get there m is excited she's laughing she's smiling sifu is there and k's there too and they're having this conversation about what has already transpired apparently sifu has basically sexually assaulted this young lady through manipulating her mind consensually and the reason why i call it a sexual assault 
is because this young lady was at his disposal mentally because of the fact that he had convinced her that this was what she needed to live to survive to get rid of this energy she was happy and sifu acted like it was his duty like he had just done a miracle for this young lady so that moment led on to other events in 1998 the movie blade came out and i'll never forget we all went to see it because sifu said that blade was a real person not some fictional character that was created by marvel but a real actual person that he himself had met in the hidden masters realm see from here on everything is going to tie into the hidden masters realm so let me make that clear so this guy blade that sifu said he knew was ironically now this movie character so then what also went on was sifu said that every now and then these individuals these other entities that we couldn't see would actually come here and use the bodies of different individuals in order to take part in all kinds of different things so when we went to see this blade movie sifu had convinced us that this was blade the guy that he met in the hidden masters realm in the body of wesley snipes doing this movie and of course this wasn't the first time that we were told this or explained this there were plenty of entertainers actors that sifu said this whole little event would happen with or has happened with so there were certain movies that we watched just for the fact of who it was that was playing the role but now there were also individuals that we did not watch because sifu said that they were possessed by demons or they were evil so we wouldn't even take part in looking at that stuff so we went to see this blade movie and then later on sifu began to have what i would consider some type of bipolar out of body experiences because what sifu convinced us of was that anytime he would go to the hidden master's realm someone would have to take over his body because if his body was to be touched while he was in this other realm then that means that he would be stuck there and he couldn't return so there was a situation that we had where sifu had to go to the hitmaster's realm and sure enough blade came here in sifu's body now let me explain to you how this all went when this little transformation happened everything changed every single thing his voice would change his mannerisms would change his approach to situations his rationale it was almost as if he had mastered the role of acting like another person well lo and behold these events started happening more frequently and sure enough this blade persona fell in love with m so now we have this dynamic going on in the team where m is infatuated with this character that is possessing sifu's body on a regular basis while sifu of course is in the hidden masters realm training or doing whatever it is that he was doing at the time so of course sifu's sexual escapade with m grew not just from some type of touching but to complete all-out intercourse and on a regular basis now this continued until one day i left school during my 12th grade year actually this was close to the beginning of it 
somewhere around the summer. And when I got to the pool hall, everybody was sad. Everybody was down that was there. M was crying. I didn't understand what was going on. Sifu was destroyed. So apparently what had happened was during these outer body experiences, M, to a certain degree, had fallen for Sifu. And without Blade being in the body, Sifu and M had sex. Some kind of way, this information got to Koriko. And at the time, we're young. We're all kids. We have absolutely no idea that this made no sense whatsoever. But Koriko decided that because she loved Sifu so much, she decided to kill herself, which is what she did. Or at least it's what she attempted to do. But, of course, Ashita Kim stopped it, and Sifu and Koriko were no more. So Sifu ends up going into this emotional destruction so much that he is just destroyed to the point he can't continue so he goes to the hidden master's realm because he's having this meltdown and everyone there is trying their best to save him mentally because he matters just that much so during this process we end up dealing with two different personalities continuously back and forth blade of course and then who sifu considered his brother blade's brother a guy named ninja now if you think that this story so far is out of this world crazy we're still in year three and four we haven't even left south carolina yet so this blows up and it just spirals into a continuous wheel of ups and downs and we went through a lot of abuse during that time because of course each personality had its favorite each personality had its way of dealing with different people and all of us were trying our best to sustain what we thought was our lives, our legacy our connection m went through a lot during that time and eventually once sifu was done getting everything out of m he could eventually she was released voted out because once she had reached the level of what sifu could get from her there was no more protection for her and many of us saw that truthfully the only contribution m was making to the group was some type of extended pleasure that had run its course i don't know if m ever really was right after that years of experience like that does not help your mentality and it's sad to say but m took her own life a few years back not too long after i came back to south carolina and i don't want to say that i contribute anybody's complete issue to their dealings with sifu but after witnessing the trauma that this man put so many people through it is hard for me to believe that those elements didn't last with these people as they went on through life i am a 38 year old man right now and today i still suffer from problems and issues that i received from dealing with him so i know that these females that were a part of this group 
that suffered. Some of the guys that you're going to hear about where they are right now. Some of them dead. Some of them in prison. These people took their own lives. These people committed crimes because of their mental stability was challenged. And it was challenged because of the life that they lived in this group. I truly believe that 100%. I know I'm running long and I know there's a lot being said, but I told you there were two personalities that made a big difference during this time frame. And the other personality that I need to talk to you about, and I'm going to have to extend to the next episode because I've ate up so much time, is A, year one and year two were the seeds of the clan but in year three and year four when a was introduced when he came to the group there's so much change that happened because of his push that we saw a drastic shift from student to servant it was because of a's introduction that we had to kneel and bow to sifu whenever we entered a room that he was in it was a's introduction that caused us to have to ask sifu if we could leave to go home we had to ask sifu if we could eat ask sifu if we could drink ask sifu if we could use the bathroom it was a's introduction that brought on the process of us having to tell sifu all of the information about us our social security numbers how much money we made when we worked what we were doing at certain particular times it was because of a that we had to keep constant journal of our actions during the daytime and report them to seafood a caused a huge shift in the clan's operation and it's hard to explain but a in a lot of ways caused me to up my ambition inside the clan if i ever had a physical rival in the clan that made me want to train more and learn more it was k because me and him were always competing with each other about who was the best physically but if there was ever a mental and spiritual rival inside of the clan it was a a made me push to stay at the top mentally and sifu benefited from it he benefited from it so many times because he didn't have to institute anything now because now you've got two individuals who are constantly trying to figure out how to input more control more servitude into the group and we did it daily and we held people accountable and we chastised people when they abused or violated these standards as much as i would like to say that i feel totally totally horrible and understand that my own mental state was challenged by my membership in this group in all honesty i have to say that i have to take responsibility for the continued challenges that every single member of this group dealt with both full member and associate out of all of the times that i can highlight the evil of seafood i have to admit that the development of the clan into this horrific mental experiment was still furthered by my drive to be more accepted than a all right that's all i got for you guys today there was there is so much to talk about with this subject 
there's more that happened during the beginning years a lot that went on but we're gonna have to move on so stay tuned next week we're gonna actually have a much deeper much profound discussion because i'm gonna talk about the clan and relationship different relationships that i myself was in inside of the clan as well as some of the other members and you're gonna see the dynamic that the clan had towards people being in intimate relationships and friendships and how that same dynamic worked to damage individuals that were not even clan members um thank you guys for listening i hope you learned something peace